Throughout the last five years, the Batman world has seen a huge number of changes. It has witnessed the death and return of Batman, as well as the rebooting of the entire DC Universe. The films have become some of the highest grossing films ever, and will be rightly considered classics. There have been numerous games and merchandise released, and throughout this, the Batman Universe podcasts have brought you their thoughts, reviews, and the latest news on all of these, and much, much more. So, to celebrate this five-year milestone, join me, your host, John, as I look back at the last five years of the Batman Universe podcasts, featuring interviews with co-hosts both past and present, and some classic clips from old episodes. This is Ian Sattler, Senior Story Editor at DCU. Hi, this is Mildred DeFilippis. And Christina Weir. Hi, this is Kevin Vandell. Hi, this is Libra Mayo. Hi, this is Brian Ezrelli. Hi, this is Matt Wagner, author of Batman and the Monster Mount and Batman and the Mad Monk. Hey, this is Mike Martz, Batman Group Editor. Hey, this is Ethan Van Skybro. My name is Neil Adams. This is Paul Dini. This is Robert Greenberger. This is Jerry Robinson. Hey, this is uh, Will Spertaccio. This is Adam Beechin, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. first episode of the Batman Universe podcast was released on the 6th of January 2008. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 1 of the Batman Universe podcast. I'm your host Dustin and I'm going to tell you exactly what's going on in the Batman Universe. So let's start off. Since this is episode 1, I'm sure you're asking yourself, you know, maybe asking yourself you know what? What is he going to cover? What what characters are he's, is he going to cover? What's it, what's the benefit of me even listening to this podcast? Well, let me start off by saying I'll tell you exactly uh, what the benefit is. I'm not going to tell you anything you can't find out on your own. Now you're probably thinking to yourself, why would he say something like that? Well, the truth of it is, I don't. I, I'm doing. I'm I'm doing the listeners a favor. I'm I'm compiling all of the information about Batman into one little thing where you can listen to. You don't have to go searching online for it. You don't have to, you know, stay up to odd hours of the night, you know, looking around forever trying to find anything. I'm going to tell you everything. Now, the question is, what am I going to tell you? So what am I going to cover? I'm going to cover everything having to do with any Batman comic. You know, that means any Batman comic. I'm going to cover old, new, you know, ones that are going to be coming out. Uh, I'm going to be covering... You know, specific, you know, movie news, comic news, TV news, book news, toy news, general news, basically anything. And you're probably saying, you know, well, that's a lot of cover. You know, how, how does he get all that information? Well, the reason why 
you know, I don't, I'm not always going to have information for, you know, toy news, because it's not every day that they announce they're going to put out a new Batman action figure. But I'm going to let you know if I find out they are, I'll let you know, so that way, you know, if you want to go get it, you can pick it up. Uh, movie news, specifically, we've got The Dark Knight coming out this summer, so because of that, everyone, you know, just to build the hype about it, everyone wants to know what's going on, you know, you know what's gonna happen what's gonna happen and as much as everyone wants to sit back and say I don't want to know what's going on I don't want to know what's going on before I go see it you want to know some now I'm never gonna tell you anything that you're not gonna find or you know that's gonna give anything away I'm not gonna sit there and say oh I found out today that you know uh, Catwoman's gonna be in the dark night you know first of all let me just confirm that is not true that not, that's not happening but I'm not going to tell you that, and if I was going to say anything that could possibly be a spoiler, I'll let you know so that way you can fast forward, so that you don't, so that things don't get ruined for you, because the best experience is going to be, is when you go to that theater and watch The Dark Knight this summer, and just be amazed by how great it is. So, we're also going to do anything having to do with the comics. Now, you're probably thinking, you know, is he going to cover, you know, Huntress? Because she's in the Batman universe, yes. The people I'm going to cover is basically anybody who has anything to do somehow linked to Batman. And when I say linked, I mean obviously you've got Robin, Nightwing, Batgirl. Okay, Azrael, he's not around anymore, but you know he was the, he, he's still linked to Batman. Uh, Batgirl, I think I already said that. But Batgirl, you know she's not around either, but she's still linked to Batman. So if something comes up like a year one series or something like that we at least I, uh, any Batman villains and I mean the list for those guys goes on and on and on that could just go on forever as well as Oracle, Huntress, Black Canary because you know they're birds of prey but they're still located out of Gotham which is in the Batman universe okay so my history with Batman goes back to unfortunately Batman Forever and Batman and Robin the Batman, at the time, there was a magazine that was released here in the United States called Disney's Adventures, and inside the Disney's Adventures, uh, they focused on a lot of the big summer movies sometimes. It was a kid's magazine, but it did delve into some of the uh, kid-friendlier movies that were releasing, and uh, when these movies were releasing, there was articles on Batman, for Batman Forever that I read and was really interested in, Around the same exact time, Batman the Animated Series was airing on TV, and I was watching some of those episodes. Um, and also around that same time, um, my mother's friend ordered me a subscription for my birthday of The Batman Adventures, which was the comic series that was based off of the Batman the Animated Series TV show. So it's kind of like all three things rolled into one at the, around the same time. This was back in 1995. And um, at that time, that's how I got into comics. And then eventually, as time progressed, um, I kept collecting the comics, kept renewing my subscriptions for the comics, and um, never stepped foot into a comic book store until about 1999. Um, had some birthday money. There wasn't a comic store real close to my house, but um, on the way home from um, work one day, my mother uh, stopped at a comic store with me, and I had some birthday money that I spent some money on. Uh, at the time, 
Death of the Superman uh, in the trade paperback form and bought the very first volume of No Man's Land. Um, and that's part of the reason why No Man's Land is one of my favorite stories. Is it's one of the, it's, it's the first major story that I read that was actually within continuity and not based off the Batman animated series. So a combination of all of those different events led me to be the Batman fan that I am today. So in 2007, um, I was I, I deployed to Iraq when I, when I was in the military, and uh, when I came back from the military, um, I had money because obviously when you're overseas you're not spending money on things so I had some money saved up when I came back and I spent a good chunk of money when I came back trying to build up my comic collection which at this point um, before this I probably had maybe 300 issues and some trade paperbacks and things like that continued my subscriptions and things like that all this time since I was a young kid but at this point, I wanted to really expand and fit, start filling in a lot of the gaps of my collection because I had the money to do it. So when I came back, I pretty much went on like a shopping spree on eBay and spent, you know, a couple thousand dollars building up a collection of comics. And I grew the collection from 300 issues prior to well over 3,000 comics. And... That's not even that. That wouldn't even include all of the multiples and extra copies of specific issues that I had and things like that from buying giant lots. So um, from there, I was making this giant collection of comics and was really enjoying it. And this was also around the same time that uh, the viral marketing for the Dark Knight started playing too. So again, it was like a, a combination of a bunch of different things. The the Dark Knight was kicking off. I was really into the, the the viral marketing campaign that they had going on for The Dark Knight, and I thought it was a lot of fun. I was building up my comic collection. I was reading all of the comics, all the back issues, and all of the current stuff, and it was a really good time as far as comics go with Grant Morrison writing uh, comics. Uh, we had All-Star Batman, which is is crazy when you think about it now, but at the time I really thought that the art by Jim Lee was really great, there's a lot of really good things happening with the Batman books at that time. So, um, when around that same time, it was December of 2007, I got an iPad for the first time. And when I was loading up the iPod on the, or the iTunes on the computer for the first time, I saw this tab that said podcast. And I thought it was pretty interesting. I wanted to know what they were. My wife wasn't aware of she she heard of them, but she wasn't aware. So I thought, you know, what's the crazy chances that there there could be a Batman podcast out there? So I actually I found a Batman podcast out there, um, and it was a guy who's talking about a lot of the stuff related to the Dark Knights and the viral marketing stuff. And he had I want to say like four or five episodes they released over a couple month time frame. And I listened to all of them, thought it was really cool, and then all of a sudden the episode stopped. And it was almost three months after the last episode, and I was thinking, well, why aren't there any more episodes? So around the same time, I had a lot of free time on my hands, and I really needed to fill up my schedule with something. So then I decided to do the podcast, and it was it spawned from the fact that I thought, well, if the guy who was doing this other podcast isn't doing it anymore... 
this is something that I think is really cool, and I'm sure I'm not the only person out there who would think that listening to uh, you know a podcast all about Batman, you know, is, is that far fetched. So I started up the podcast, and then the podcast grew pretty successfully because of the release of The Dark Knight, and a lot of people were listening to it and sending emails and giving feedback about the podcast. And all of that feedback kind of motivated me to start thinking about doing a website. The website spawned from a combination of the fact that we were getting so many downloads with the podcast that the provider that we were using was requiring us to pay an exorbitant amount of money to use them. And if we just did it from our own website, to, it would not, it wouldn't be nearly as much money to, it wouldn't cost us as much money to actually do. So the website spawned from um, a financial point of view, but also from the point of view of in order to get all of the information that we did on the podcast, I had to comb through a lot of websites to actually find the news to report. So the website was a, a way to keep up with the news on a daily format. So that way, when we came time to record the podcast, we didn't have to spend so much time researching everything because we did it on a daily basis, coming up with all of the news that we would report on anyway. It certainly seemed to be a hit with a number of downloads and several feedback emails. One of these was the suggestion of having a co-host. So the first to join what would become a long list was Carl, who joined on episode 5. And this was followed briefly by Chris, who joined on episode 9. Well, the idea of bringing a co-host on was really spawned from a listener themselves. A listener emailed and said, Hey, I think it'd be kind of cool if you had a co-host. And that person who emailed me actually was our very first co-host. And they came on the show and they... Uh, that was Carl from the UK, and he he brought a different light. And it, it, the reason why I thought it was a good idea and thought it was a good suggestion was because there's only so much I can talk about. I can babble on and on for an hour or so, but generally who wants to listen to me babble on for an hour when they could hear me babble with somebody else and have a conversation, have a conversation instead of just have me doing a, a, a speech. So the idea was... I, I thought it was a great idea when, when that when it was presented to me, and then just slowly as time progressed, specific listeners who were listening to the podcast really enjoyed the show and really wanted to get involved, and that's how pretty much every single person who's a staff member came onto the podcast or onto the website is they listened to the podcast first, really enjoyed it and wanted to become involved with it, and I'm lucky enough that there's been people who have stuck around for a long period of time and helped out much longer than I would have ever expected them to, um, helping out with various different projects and editing and writing articles on the website and things like that, where, um, you know, there, there was, there was, there's been people who they started school, um, one year and they were graduating another year, um, all, and they were working for the website the entire time while they were in school. So, I mean, the thing is, it, it's that's a cool element because we've done this for five years. Clearly, five years is plenty of time to you know get through school. But the the interesting thing is that you know people have dedicated time in their lives for this as much as I've dedicated time in my life for it, and it makes it easier because they have the vision that I have as far as making it bigger and better than what it is, 
and getting it out there for more people to really experience and appreciate. Dustin. And I'm Carl. Hey, this is Chris. And this is Apple. You got Josh. And this is Zach. I'm Humphrey. This is Savannah. This is Donovan. This is Josh. This is Nick. This is Melinda. This is Dave. This is Joe. This is John. Stella. Hey, guys. This is Ryan. As well as being the first co-host, Carl was also the first of a number of English residents on the podcast. Something that has become a main feature throughout TBU's history, with four UK co-hosts to date. I spoke to Dustin, Nick, and Joe about As far as the nationalities goes, I think it's extremely important to have different points of views from different countries because, well, besides the fact that news here in the United States isn't necessarily the same news as it is in Canada or as, as it is in Australia or, or England, for that matter, the, the reality is... I can sit here and talk about Cartoon Network airing new episodes of Young Justice on on Saturday, but that doesn't mean our listeners in Canada, Australia, or England, or anywhere else in the world are going to be able to watch those same episodes at that specific time, too. So I think it's important to get a variety of different views, and not just for the news aspect, but also... Uh, you know, life experience aspect. Everybody experiences things differently depending on where they live in the world. And I think it's interesting hearing different people's perspectives on specifically the comics because it's really interesting to hear people's different takes on the comics based off of, you know, their their life experience. Um, personally, I, you know, there's the my co-host on the comic cast constantly makes snark remarks about how I'm the history guy when it comes to the comics and how I love the history and that's very true but the thing is my my upbringing had to do a lot with you know I spent a lot of time going to you know kind of like historical places with my dad and seeing a lot of like history related things and I've taken the the bit of the history that I that I enjoyed with my dad and I've incorporated into the things that I like now with Batman and keeping in with the history that's that's one of the things but everybody has a different perspective on things based off their life experience so i think it's important to not only get a gender a variety but also to get a nationality variety as well because everybody has different views on things and it's important to not only um talk about those different views but also give a perspective of those views for everyone one of the things that i said i could bring to the podcast was my opinion and perhaps make it more accessible to British listeners and uh, give my opinion not only as a Brit but also as a, a newer comic reader and um, make it more accessible for people who haven't been reading comics long and um, to to help those people understand, get what's going on and learn maybe even with me as I was going through the podcast. I think it is useful to have uh 
Unfortunately, unfortunately, we've already got American and British hosts, um, mostly because there aren't many other countries that speak our language. But I think it's good to get views from uh, across the pond, if you will. Um, you know, Americans think one thing, British things, people think think another thing. I always like to have differing opinions on the show. I don't like to have everyone agreeing. I think that can get a bit boring. So I think it does help over here when um, things might get delayed. Or we, I think John, you've mentioned you've had problems with Batman the Animated Series. You know, getting a hold of it is tough over here, which is ridiculous. Because, you know, it's so available in America, and. Um, We've also got a lot of um, British talent involved in Batman at the moment. Chris Nolan, Grant Morrison. So I think it's good to get uh, an opinion from over here too. And I, I would happily welcome uh, list, uh, hosts from other countries, listeners from other countries to get involved because I think you're right. I think it's interesting to get an opinion from elsewhere. By May of that year, Apple had also joined the podcast. Oh, man. Well... Fans that have listened to the Batman Universe podcast know that I was a Batman fan since the beginning. Uh, my dad had old comic books. Uh, he housed old comic books. So uh, these comic books that were in the garage, I just happened to go playing inside the garage and picking up DC Comics. Uh, one of the very first ones that was really torn up, really torn to bits was like issue 250 with Neil Adams and uh, and Dennis O'Neill. Now that comic's worth a whole bunch, so I got like three copies, believe me. But uh, that was my fondest memory of, you know, finding that comic book collection. And, and the thing was that the my dad had a, his own collection, but this, I think, was like his, his cousin. And his cousin didn't want to collect comics anymore or wasn't into comic books. So that's when I found it, and I hate to date myself, but I'll, I'll just say that this was like at the end of the 70s when I started learning how to read, and uh, that's how I fell in love with Batman, through the comic books. Back early on, uh, the, the early days of podcasting, uh, when you're hearing these shows and you first got your iPod and, and you're listening to, to shows and you're like, oh wow, people are doing shows about different things, and well, one of the things that, you know, I love was Batman. So I go out there and looking around, downloaded some podcasts, and then uh, a new podcast popped up called The Batman Universe. And uh, I hear a, a, a guy come on and who's uh, very like, welcome to the Batman Universe. <laughs> well, I, I made Dustin sound like Sean Connery right there. But uh, he uh, he was doing the show by himself, and I was like, uh, okay. And then I heard a, a British guy come on, and I was like, oh, okay, that's Carl. I say, okay. I say, that's cool. And then uh, he sent out uh, a call out to uh, for co-hosts. Now, for me, I have always been around uh, all the Batman boards. I've, I've always looked around there. People know about my Batman collection. And so I went ahead and I said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do it. So uh, when the show came around to recording, uh, a very sad event happened. My uh, father passed away. So the very first show I was supposed to come on for the Batman universe, I was unable to make it. And uh, at this time, uh, we're doing um, weekly. So uh, the show came out and... Uh, I came out in the next show 
the show that I missed out was going to be the the first time me and Chris were going to be the the first co-host, the brand new co-host to come out with Dustin on that one. And uh, it was uh, it, w- it was it was bittersweet in a way, but it was something that I love to do because of uh, the the experience of uh, being and and uh, being in this universe, the, the you know the DC universe, but also uh, the character that I love most, which is Batman. And so coming out in that, uh, it, it was bittersweet because I knew my father wasn't there. And the upcoming uh, Dark Knight movie, when it's coming out, was going to be the first time ever that my dad was not going to be seeing a Batman movie with me. So it it was bittersweet right there. As well as Apple's first podcast, it was also one of the first interviews done by TBU and featured Gotham Public Works talking about an upcoming film they released. And it wouldn't be the last interview. So when do you guys so think are the, the trailers actually going to be ready for everyone of you? Oh, that's the $1,000 question. Well, um, we're in... $1,000, we'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, in, I'm in post-production right now uh, with our editor and uh, visual effects guys, and uh, we are planning on having it ready for Comic-Con. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe specials. I'm your host, Dustin, and as always, we have with us... It's Apple. We are bringing you an interview today with Dustin Wen, and he is going to be writing on Streets of Gotham, and we all know that he was working on Heart of Hush with Paul Dini a couple months back, so welcome to the podcast, Dustin. Hey, thanks guys. Thanks for uh, you know inviting me. So I guess the first question we should ask is, how exactly did you first get involved with Batman? We know you worked on As a Crow Flies way back when in 626 um, yeah, for Batman. How did you get first involved with that? Um, with the first time, I was working on Wildcats at the time, and uh, I was with Joe Casey, and uh, that was when editor Bob Shrek was still on, you know, he, was, he wasn't doing the special project yet, he was still doing Batman, and, you know, we spoke a few times, and he knew he knew that my first samples were Batman, and I was, you know, even when I was doing Wildcats, I was doing Batman samples, and just doing pinups to, yeah, I, I really wanted to get on the book, so, and he knew that, and, uh, I think the opportunity came up where we they just had a really good run with um, Jim Lee, and then they brought in Eduardo Rizzo and the 100 Bullets team. And I guess people kind of got the, you know, the feel that you know we can bring in guys that weren't necessarily always doing the mainstream stuff. Because Wildcats, so it was kind of like an like an underground book kind of. It was mainstream for Wildstorm, but for you know as far as when we re- when they relaunched you know Volume 3.0, it wasn't really superhero anymore. And I think they they felt it was you know okay to bring in some artists like that, and you know it, it was a good time. I I, brought, I came on for six issues, no five issues, yeah. So yeah, it was Bob Shrek that brought me in. Today it's me and Apple, and we are bringing you an interview with none other than Mike Marks. Welcome, Mike. Hey guys, how you doing? Thanks for having me. So let's get into the questions. Sure. <laughs> okay, Mike, how did you become an editor for comics? Uh, well, I started in comics about uh, 15 or 16 years ago. Um, actually started my comics career while I was still in college. Um, I was studying journalism and knew that I wanted to get into the editing field. Um, at the same time, I, I, you know, I also had a, a huge interest in comic books and yeah, I've been working at a comic book store and, you know, always wanted to get into the industry. Um, and I was I was also in the process of submitting story ideas to Marvel Comics and getting my polite uh, uh, rejection letters in the mail, uh, you know, a few weeks after sending the story ideas. Um, but 
Actually, you know, partway through my, my college uh, time, someone had suggested to me that um, maybe I'd want to become an editorial intern at Marvel Comics since I was studying journalism and I also had the uh, interest in comic books. So I applied for the internship at Marvel, and um, and then I, I worked as an intern there for the Iron Man and Fantastic Four office uh, in 1993, um, and that uh, that led to an assistant editor position um, about a uh, half year later. Um, so that was uh, that was how I got into the editing side of comic books. All right, so the next question we have is, how did you actually get started on the Bat Books, and how was your pitch for the run on Detective Comics originally accepted by DC? Um, yeah, the, what happened was at C2E2 two years ago, two C2E2s ago, American Vampire was just starting, and um, Dan DiDio and Jeff Johns asked if I wanted to meet and talk about superhero, superhero possibilities. And I was so nervous. Um, I had never met Jeff, and I had only met Dan in passing. And I was just, you know, crazy, crazy nervous. Um, and I was saying, I remember if you were at that C2E2, there was like a giant kitchen appliance convention happening. You remember yep, that thing? I was there, yeah. <laughs> and um, I was going around being like, oh my God, I have this meeting with Dan, you know, and Jeff Johns. What am I going to say? How am I going to... How am I going to tell them? Because they just wanted to know where I wanted to be. That's, that was basically it. And I knew I wanted to be in Gotham, but I, I was had this idea in my head for the for uh, a, you know a possibility, a, a, this possible story. And I just was so nervous about pitching. And I was like, I just I wish I could just have a beer or something before I go in. You know, and I was looking around, and if you remember, that convention center had like no no beer, no wine, nothing. Yep. And then somebody was like, Well, you know what? I think they have some in that kitchen thing. So I was like, oh, okay. So I like walked over there. I'm in this crazy kitchen universe, and um, there's nothing there. There's like a bar at the back, but it's like a fake bar, and there's you know <laughs> there's just nothing. And then I'm looking around. I'm like, you know what? There are all these wine bottles on the counters for display to display the counters, you know, that are for sale. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna take one of these wine bottles and I open it up and I'm gonna have a drink, a glass of wine. I'm gonna go back and meet. And then I had this image of myself being like dragged out of C two E two, you know, in front of Jeff Johns and Dan DiDio being like being like, No, no, I have a meeting, I have a meeting to talk about superheroes. And um, anyway, I didn't do it and I met with them and they were very, very nice and they basically said they wanted to bring me over into to doing superhero stuff if I was interested and was there anywhere I wanted to be and I said that I'd love to be in Gotham and I pitched them this idea for a series that, um, for a backup even, I was just like, you know, if, you, if, if I can do this, I really want to do it. I'd love to revisit and, you know, really explore the character of Commissioner Gordon and do a series that's about him um, solving cold cases on the weekends, like, because he doesn't have personal life really, you know, beyond Babs, so it was supposed to be like him revisiting the darkest cases of his career. And the through line would be, and solving them, you know, and and the through line would be him secretly also searching for his son, you know, who is this psychopath and stuff. So um, that that was what I told them, and they liked it, um, and they said that they thought that the backup for Detective might be open, um, the backup feature, and that might be something good for it, but they were like, 
you know, because it's definitely, they they were teasing me, they were like, you know, because it's definitely, you know, I don't know what would the cover be if it was the feature, it would be like, and I was like, you know, it would be Commissioner Gordon with bifocals looking at like dusty files, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they were laughing, but like, I understood that it didn't seem like something that could carry the series, but and I really felt like it could deep down, um, and what happened was the feature opened that detective after I was, I was re- starting to write these backups, um, and then the feature opened. I don't know who was on it even at the time that it opened up, but um, Mike Marks called me into his office. This was I, that was March with C two E two, and this was in May. Um, he called me in and said, you know, that the feature opened. Did I want to take both? And immediately I was like, absolutely, you know, because I had been having so much fun writing the backups. I knew that the concept of the backups was the original concept of the entire run which was this black mirror idea that the gotham basically will challenge anyone that tries to do good in the city by throwing their worst nightmares back at them somehow so for commissioner gordon i knew that um i wanted james to be the character because to me he's the series would have been him showing what a consummate detective he is week after week you know month after month um, solving these cases that rely on evidence adding up to some conclusion about cause, about motive, about all that stuff. Whereas his son is an enigma where none of it adds up. You know, is he a psychopath because he fell off the bridge? Is he a psychopath because Gotham twisted him? Is it because Jim neglected him? Was he just born that way? Nobody knows, you know? And that mystery is something that to me is Jim's worst nightmare, you know, because he, he's vulnerable to it. And I knew that once they, the feature opened, I knew that Batman... If Dick Grayson was under the cow, he was a perfect villain for Dick Grayson, too, because to me, the way Gotham would challenge Dick Grayson was to try and prove to him that his greatest assets, which to me are his greatest strengths as a hero, which are his empathy and his compassion, his you know sense of, of altruism and civic duty, he's, to me, he doesn't have the same baggage that Bruce has. He's not... He's sort of he's not obsessive the same way Bruce is. He's you know he has his darker notes like in his personality, but for the most part he's he's someone who does it out of a sense of doing right in the world. I think you know rather than out of a kind of obsessive drive that I think Bruce has, even though Bruce is doing it for the right you know to to do right in the world as well. 2008 also saw the launch of the comic podcast, something that has now been running for over 100 episodes. And the very first episode featured Chris, Apple and Dustin talking about the Batman R.I.P. storyline. Hello everyone and welcome to the very first episode of the Batman Universe comic podcast. I'm your host Dustin and as always we have Chris and Apple. What's going on guys? Hey, hey, hey. How's it going? So, as promised, we are bringing you a, a podcast that's all about the Batman comics for all you fans who have been emailing me about how we're not getting the, giving the comics as much love as they deserve. So, um, in this episode, we're going to cover the first two issues of the Batman R.I.P. storyline, as well as um, Apple's going to talk about uh, the Joker, uh, Joker greatest stories ever told. And we're going to discuss Detective Comics number 845. However, in October of that year, Chris left. But in December, they were joined by a member who would become one of the longest-running co-hosts, Josh. I guess for everyone, almost, it started as a kid, even on some small level, because Batman is just one of those 
characters who you're always aware of. Like, I can't remember when I first became aware of Batman just because he's so ingrained into pop culture that it's like he's always been there. I remember the Tim Burton movies when I was in grade school being very big and people watching them on videos and them showing them to us at camp. Um, and then the animated series came on when I was, you know, into the older part of grade school, and that was a big thing. Everyone was into that. I remember Batman was, like, the really popular thing, and I just wanted to play Power Rangers, but everyone was into Batman. Uh, but as... <laughs> embarrassingly enough, it was the Schumacher movies that eventually made me, um pick up some of the comics because I was getting the toys and Toys R Us had a tie-in where you can get with um, the action figures um, vintage DC comics not the actual vintage ones but reprints of them like the Robin one I think had the a reprint of the Robin story from Detective Comics number 38 and uh, there was the Mr. Freeze story where he was Mr. Zero his first appearance there was um <laughs> Uh, the first Batgirl story with Barbara Gordon, which was odd because they had a completely different Batgirl in the movie. But And that made me start to get the rest of the comics, and by then I was entering middle school, and um, I guess that was when I really started following the books regularly, and my interest in Batman was more than just uh, observing him in pop culture. I was now an active participant in Batman fandom. I was listening to, um, because I am, at that point, I had a Beatles podcast, which I still have on a semi-regular basis, called Bertone Beetle Bonanza, so I've always been big into podcasting, and podcasting, um, it's still, I don't even know if the term is 10 years old yet, because I first heard about what a podcast was in 2005, and, uh, I think I listened to my first episode of the Batman Universe in 2007, so, like, comic book podcasts, you know, podcasts that take a look at comic books and pop culture, weren't as frequent, and the first uh, comic book podcast that I ever heard was Spider-Man Crawl Space, and I loved it because you, growing up, I'm really, really big in the comics, but, and these characters, but I don't have friends who are as well. You know, most of them are into other stuff. Occasionally, I had a friend who had a passing interest, or I could kind of get them into it. But really, like, I was the most extreme one in the fandom around my friends. And these podcasts were great things because I was listening to other people who were on the same level as me, and they were talking about it for hours. And, like, these are the conversations that I wanted to have with my friends years ago. Like, oh my gosh, you know, where have these things been? And, um, so... Through Spider-Man Crawl Space, I found other podcasts, uh, and I was looking for, like, the Batman equivalent of that, and I found the BatmanUniverse.net, and this was, I downloaded a bunch of episodes at the end of 2007, I believe. It might have been the end of 2008. Um, I'm trying to think of when I became a co-host. Yeah, it must have been the end of 2008 that I was listening so about... And these were in the days when it was Apple and Dustin doing the shows together. And there was one where um, they they made the call out for co-hosts. And again, you know, to me, I've been podcasting with my Beatles stuff for a while, but I really wanted to talk about comics with all these people because it sounded fun. So I sent an MP3 audition to Dustin, which is, um, it's out there. It was played on one of the blooper shows. I can't stand listening to it. 
I can't stand listening to anything that I made years ago. Anyway, though. Not only was it Josh's first podcast, but it also featured the debut of Backbooks for Beginners, something that has now become a mainstay of the comic podcast. Now, I felt the best bits of this book were a couple of great images and scenes. Firstly, uh, the best one I thought was where Bruce had returned to his mansion after a failed attempt to start his crime-fighting career. He knows what he wants to do, but doesn't know how to do it yet. He wants to bring justice to Gotham, but he hasn't quite figured out what the best way to do that is. Suddenly a bat crashes through his window, and it perches on the sculpture of his father. Bruce sees it as a sign, and he becomes the Batman as a result. Another really good um, image was where uh, there was an image which conveys the really tough life and decisions that Gordon's been going through. He's sitting on the end of his bed with his pregnant wife asleep, and he's holding a gun. I thought it really portrayed the gritty realism so well that Frank Miller has been going for in this book. And the book is full of iconic images like those, which really make it an instant classic in my eyes. Uh, another good bit is uh, where Batman crashes a party full of decadent wealthy citizens of Gotham. He blows a hole in the wall, and it's one of the first times we see him in his outfit. Another iconic image. He lays the ground rules out, and says just because you're rich doesn't mean you're safe from the Batman's form of tough justice. Another little great bit was the fact that we get to see a few characters who we'll be seeing a lot more of in the future, like Selina Kyle, who's um, who's a hooker that Bruce Wayne encounters. We also see that she's inspired to become a cat burglar, or cat woman, if you will, after seeing Batman in action, giving us a bit of background on her. And we also see a few other characters like Detective Flash, Commissioner Loeb, Harvey Dent, and Carmine Falcone who will all be making appearances in upcoming books. Now the reaction to Year One from both critics and fans was hugely popular, many claiming it to be one of the best comics of all time, not just Batman comics. Year Two and Year Three followed on from the Year One series, and we'll review those at a later date. The style of the book is exactly what Frank Miller was going for with his Sin City style depiction. Realistic, gritty, it captures the humanity of the characters very well, and it changed Batman's style. Before this book it was very corny and had its Adam West 60s style, which I do love in its own way, but this was a complete departure from that, from the books before it, and a refreshing outlook on the Dark Knight. So now we have a tough, intense, realistic style Batman which I think everyone prefers. What I think is the best way to describe this book is that Batman no longer seems to be a superhero, but just a hero. I enjoyed that Gordon got fleshed out a lot as a character. He isn't always used to his full potential. There's as much of Gordon as Bruce Wayne in this book, and considering it's about Batman, I think that shows how important the character Frank Miller felt Gordon was. It's great to see more of him and show us that not only is Bruce Wayne going through a tough time, Gordon's having it just as bad as well. The artwork is very simple, realistic, it's not over the top, and as a result of its subtlety, the reader's attention stays focused on the story. 
The dialogue within the book is menacing and intense, yet it also keeps the setting genuine and the reader can connect with the characters. Year One, interestingly, was planned to be made into a film during 2000 in an attempt to restart the franchise after the dreadful Batman and Robin film. Warner Brothers avoided Joel Schumacher for a good few years and spoke to Darren Aronofsky about working on Batman Year One. Aronofsky agreed uh, and he even commissioned Frank Miller to co-write the script with him. I thought it was very commendable of Warner Brothers and Aronofsky to involve Frank Miller. Getting the, crea- getting the creator of the product involved could only help the film. However, sadly, Warner Brothers cancelled the film during their confusion on what the next step to take was. They moved on to a possible Batman Beyond film and a Batman vs Superman film. But of course, none of that happened and Batman Begins was released in 2005. Now, Batman Begins, you might have noticed, has had, has a lot of links with Batman Year One. Christopher Nolan obviously read Batman Year One and decided to pluck a few ideas out of the book. These include the Bat inspiring Bruce, the Bat Swarm at Arkham Asylum, which I thought was done very well, and uh, Gordon presenting the Joker card to Batman at the end of the film. Now, all in all, Batman Year One really showed the man on his mission. I'll give it 5 out of 5 batterings. And it's a great start for our list, and must read for every Batman fan. Even if you only have a modest interest in Batman and the comics, read it, because it's a great portrayal of how it all began. I can't say if it's the best Batman book out there, as I haven't read enough, but we'll find out as we go through the list. However, quite a few people believe it to be the best. So is it only downhill from now on? Of course not, there's plenty of other good Batman books out there. But this is a great benchmark to compare the others with. So that was Batman Year One. Please give me some feedback on the forums. Did you like it? If you didn't like it, I would love to know why, because I personally couldn't find any problems with the book myself. So I'd love to hear any criticisms. Plus, did you like this segment? What more do you want? Do you want more of the story, more of the review? do please just let me know as this is a work in progress. So next time on Batman Books for Beginners, we've got Batman's first confrontation with his greatest enemy, the Joker, in The Man Who Laughs. So go get it now. So until next time, this is Nick signing off from Batman Books for Beginners on the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Bye, and have a good Christmas. I absolutely despise Batman. I can't stand it at all. Um, no, no. Uh, the I've liked Batman uh, ever since I can remember. I think the main reason, and you're probably going to come across this with most of the co-hosts, is the Tim Burton film in 1989. Because I was only two when that came out, and I know I'm dating myself there. But... Um, I think as I grew up, I saw that film a lot on TV. I had a videotape of it, um, and that film was... I, I think I've seen that film more than any other in my life because I loved it so much when I was younger. Um, I remember having the, the bat plane as a toy, flying around with that, and I don't think... I mean, I think I had a few years when it kind of faded away a bit, maybe when I was a teenager, 
but it's all I've always loved it and I suppose the years that I wasn't so interested were probably when there weren't any movies coming out and then I think Batman Begins really re-sparked that uh, passion for it and got me back into it and I think I was very excited after Batman Begins. I think after The Dark Knight, it really tipped me into it, and and now I'm just delved deeply in in that whole thing. So yes, I mean it was Tim Burton's Batman to start with, and um, then the animated series, and I think Nolan's films have have uh, reignited that that flame really. So that's probably how I got into it. I think at the time. I had just really understood the concept of podcasts and podcasting, and I had probably started listening to all sorts of podcasts for a few months. Um, after The Dark Knight, I probably typed in the word Batman, and the Batman universe came up, and I, I think at the time it was probably the only one. Uh, I thought, well, I'll give this a go. Started listening to it. There were probably five or ten episodes there already, because I know Dustin was doing a bit before The Dark Knight. And um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good show. I thought it covered stuff I was very interested in. Um, it was great to... I thought the co-hosts were good at the time. It was Dustin and Chris. Um, and that's how I heard about it. So I, I listened to a few episodes, thought it was great, and was a regular listener from probably episode, I don't know, five onwards. Um, and then when I joined it, I probably listened to it for a few months. Um, I liked it, but I thought there was perhaps room for a little bit more. And they started a comic podcast, which I was like, okay, I'll give this a go. Listened to one or two episodes of that and just thought for myself, I want to like it, but I have no idea what they're talking about. I don't read any of this stuff. Um, I'm really lost. Uh, I have no idea who the Birds of Prey are and who Azrael is and all this sort of stuff. So um, I decided to email Dustin and he got back to me pretty quick and I just told him that um, I, I like the show, I would be interested in getting involved. I thought that perhaps they could have something in the comic podcast, which is obviously very comic heavy in that you, you know, it's for people who are reading the comics at the time. You know, if you're keeping up with it, it's not really for you to jump on board. It's more a case of, I've read this story, now what do these guys think about it? And there's nothing for new people to listen to. So, I suggested the Bat Books for Beginners, which was a case of a small, a small segment, five, ten minutes, in the episode for new people to sort of join me in in going along with it and um, Dustin really liked the idea uh, I think I did a little trial trial episode which he thought was fine with my very basic recording equipment and I think I did year one and then I finally got round to doing Batman year one and reviewing that and I remember being really nervous when that went out on the uh, first podcast and um, I also remember I had intro music which was Bat Book's it was that much to begin with intro music, which was the Brave and the Bold intro. And the first feedback I got was the intro is terrible, change it. So I changed it to uh, something from The Dark Knight. But, so that's how I got involved with it. Yeah. And then eventually I moved from BBFB, which I kept doing regularly. I went and started doing the regular podcast as well, joined, joined that too. 
As with any podcast, and especially on the comic cast, sometimes passions can run over, and this leads to rants. Whilst often these are to be expected, sometimes they can be very funny. Here are a few of my favourite rants from the last five years, including one by yours truly. My question is, you're renumbering Batman the Dark, a series that had its first issue this calendar year. This shows how stupid the whole everything gets a number one concept is. Batman the Dark Knight. I'm reading issue two right now. By the time September rolls around, I'll be reading issue one again. It will have two issue ones in one year. What other comic book has had that happen before? Like, any? At all? No. I hope not, because that would also be stupid. I mean, why why start a series that's just going to be cancelled in September? I mean, ugh. (laughs) Why didn't they wait to launch this thing in, in September, then? And at that point, then they could have actually had a bunch of issues in the bag. Exactly. Oh, you, you have books come out on time? When they say they're going to come out, when they tell their retailers? No, 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 no. That would be horrible. Oh, <laughs> uh, Grant Morrison. Why? 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 Because he's awesome. <laughs> no! No, Batman Incorporated. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. God. I'm sorry, Batman going around the world creating some kind of megaglomerate corporation. Where to start with what is wrong with that? And then he comes out and goes, oh, by the way, I've been sponsoring Batman. I I honestly wonder what they're actually going to start putting. This Batman is brought to you by the Wayne Tech Company. Uh, I mean, it's... The expression of rage I have when I read them. Baron Incorporated is is terrible. They're all baseless stereotype characters. The only interesting character I found is the French uh, parkour Batman. He's he's exciting and caused massive controversy because all the right-wing groups have come out and said, well, you can't have a Muslim being a hero. He must be an evil character who lives in a cave and twiddles his beard. The British characters just walk around going, oh, hello, yes, well, I'm Batman, I'm going to arrest you, stop. I mean, I I, I, I expect in the next couple of issues, when people get rescued by these Batman, for them to give them complimentary mugs and t-shirts, and at some point, presumably, be part of the the half-time show at the Super Bowl and come on singing and dancing. Um, to be fair, they probably couldn't do a word in the Black Eyed Peas. That's beyond the point. And oh, that's that's it. I'm finished ranting now. I've only nice things to say. I'm done. <laughs> Alright, so that's the end of that interview. He didn't really give as much as he normally would, but we can expect to see Cassandra Kane in the book again. Oh, yes. As Don tackles everyone to walk up to the microphone. I think I kind of got from the interview that they're, that they don't know what that, like, there's no plans for her. Like, except, like, she's going to guest star for a few issues, maybe something, but the fact that he doesn't even know if she's in Birds of Prey, and, like, oh, yeah, basically, I, mean, I don't think there ever were plans for her. I think they brought her back because... Of the fan demand. Yeah, I mean, I don't think... I 
I think unless the fans would have reacted the way they did, there still would be no Cassandra Cain in any of these books. Well, she's still Bruce Wayne's adopted daughter, so you can't just push her off to the side and pretend she doesn't exist, because Bruce adopted her. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you have to focus on her either, though. Well, they're not even focusing on her. They're keeping her in context of the Bat family, but they're not really having her do anything. Like, like, like she was not in the Batcave in Batman Return and, and none of that crap, so... My whole thing is, I think they're having a, a hard enough time juggling everything that they're juggling right now, and if you start throwing in things like Cassandra Kane, all of these, uh, these bowling, pins, <laughs> bowling pins are gonna come crashing onto the ground. She's not that... She, she's not that important of a character. I'm sorry. She really isn't. I mean, she's not in, more important than anybody else that's in these books, right? Gotham City Sirens. It doesn't. It doesn't matter her importance. Asriel. Same book. As, Asriel. Wait a minute. You want Cassandra Kane to have her own title? Is that what you're saying? Regardless of her having her own title or not, I mentioned those things because you said she's not as everyone that like is in the books right now is more important than her. So I merely said the people who have their own titles right now. Well, I think. Every character in Gotham City Sirens, whether they're being used the right way or not, are more important than Cassandra Kane. Yes, Donovan, go get him. Senpai, Sensei. Well, here's here's my here's Senpai my thing. made one appearance. He made an yeah, appearance. Yeah, he has a story arc. Here's here's the thing though. Like, like you can say that, but it's a conceit because Batman Inc. For God's sake, he's going around the world bringing in new characters. Knight and Squire. All these people are more important than a woman who had like a seventy. 70- Something ru- issue run comically that went on for several years. A I think woman who Batman just, adopted. Why you just, keep hitting that? Why does that? Why is that so important? Because like he's he, adopted. He, he adopted he ado- that's Jason within your only argument. Tim, she, he, she was Batman's daughter. Do- you're saying that Batman's daughter is not relevant to the Batman universe. She's adopted. So is Tim, Dick, and Jason. Okay, and they're still kind of but around. They- Okay, yeah, so... Okay, but wait, hold on. That's that. You, that's not... That's actually it, a really good point, because uh, Jason, who came back for a short amount of time because of a story that happened a couple years back, disappeared for a long period of time, then came back because somebody wanted to do a story with him again, that's what's going to happen with Cassandra. Yeah. That's I'm, just the reality. I'm saying, if somebody wants to bring her back, then do it, but they don't have to. Like there's no there's no reason that they would have to bring her back. If so, if there's a writer out there that decides, oh, I want to tell a Cassandra Kane story, then do it. But I don't, I don't see anybody knocking at that yeah. door right now. And I don't. Th- and I think the other thing is, if you force it, it's going to turn out badly because you'll get another Adam Beechin miniseries. And I'm pretty sure that doesn't do any justice for the character. <laughs> well, well, I love that miniseries. I gave it high marks on the podcast. Yeah, high toilet marks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my, thing, my thing is that my, my, my main thing is that you can't say oh there's too many characters when there are too many characters. I mean, yeah, there are too many characters, but you can't like say that to a character that has had an established history with Batman. I mean, that's like saying oh we can't have anything about Dick Grayson because there are too many characters. I mean. It's basically the same thing. This Dick, is Grayson, Dick Grayson and Cassandra Kane are not. In, they're yeah, different. Yeah, but they, they both are major parts of Batman's unique okay, network that have long runs of their own. One's titles. been around almost the entire history, and the other one is not. Has been? Has she even been in existence been for twenty about years? years? Yeah, yeah I mean, fifteen years. Well, he's, okay, maybe not Dick Grayson, but Tim Drake. I mean, essentially, they're they're close to the same kind of thing. I, I don't think she's like this minor character that you, like like Doctor Midnight that you can't have in, in the Batman title at all. I think she has to be in there somewhere. I'm not saying give her a title exactly, but just don't throw her away like she never existed. That's my only thing. 
there's plenty of my, room for her. That that's what I was trying to counteract from Zach. Yeah, I, I agree that there's plenty of room for her, but I think the the thing is, she's not a character that needs to be around all the time. Just like Jason Todd doesn't need to be around all the time. Just like half the villains who've been around for you know fifty plus years, they don't have to be around all the time either. They appear when there's a relevant story to be told. Okay, to tell you the truth, and I know Donovan, you're not going to like to hear this. But I think Cassandra would have died out a long time ago if she didn't have that Batgirl series. Because that Batgirl series gave her a prominent place. She wasn't really in, you know, the overarching stories that were occurring because she had her own series. She had the things going on in her own series. I don't think anybody can honestly say that Cassandra is as important as Dick Grayson. I'm not gonna, you know what, I I take that back. But at the same time, I I just get this sense, and and I I don't want to pull all this on you guys, but I just get the sense that, like, Cassandra Kane has just become this, like, completely innocuous character when... The only reason she became that is because writers came in that didn't want to deal with her. I mean, she had her series and it was canceled. Why? Was it canceled because of bad sales? I thought it was just canceled mainly because they were they had a status quo that they wanted to re up. And now that the fans want her back, they're sort of like putting her in here and in here. And they're sort From of what like I understood this... she was canceled because of uh, Batwoman series that got delayed for three years. Yeah, it, it, it was. I just thought I just thought the characters got, got a raw deal. But I mean, we can. I, mean, we can, and like, I agree. We can... I don't think I don't think the I don't think the series needed to be canceled. I mean, there was some good stories that came out of that. Series. Just as there is, you know, it had its down downfalls, but it had its it had its upsides too. I mean, but then again, every series has that. I and mean, look at the first twelve issues of Red Robin, for God's sakes. <laughs> I like but, that. Uh, twelve issues of Red Robin, actually. But anyway, the, I mean, the the point is, the Cassandra will have a place within the Batman universe. Yes, she is Bruce Wayne's adopted child. Yes, she was Batgirl at a point, and now. She's just not going to be around. Let's just be thankful for the fact that they addressed what she, where she went, even though it took over a year to you know tell everybody what happened. Despite the fact that we were told when Cassandra was when it was announced that Cassandra wasn't going to be Batgirl, we were told right away by uh, DC that uh, in Batgirl we would find out what was going to happen to Cassandra Kane. Do we ever find that out? No, we never find out what happened to Cassandra Kane in Batgirl. It took a year and a half to find out what happened, and it took a completely different writer on a completely different book. And that—that's the thing that we really should be upset about, not the fact that uh, you know she's she's vanished. Is the fact that DC told us what was going to happen, it didn't happen, and in turn we had to wait a year and a half to find out. Only after they got harassed at every freaking convention they've gone to in the past year and a half about people asking, "Where's Where's Cassandra? Where's Cassandra?" And honestly, they probably got sick of hearing, and they said, "Okay, so we got to do something with her." Let's give her a mention in, uh, you know, the Road Home books, and uh, then we'll have Fabian do something with her, since Fabian has actually worked with her before. And that's, that's what we really should be ticked off about. In December 2008 and January 2009, both Nick and Savannah were added, respectively, to the regular podcast Alone with Ryan. Well, uh, I've, I've probably been a Batman fan since, uh, I, you know, the, the 60s series, um, when it was in syndication, oh, and, and it's back in syndication now, actually on the hub. But um, I would watch that, and you know, I you know, I just was a fan of Batman. I've always been a fan. Of, um, and then obviously the Saturday morning stuff, you know, Super Friends and all that good stuff. And then um, and then '89 was a big year. I was uh, I was 17. I, yeah, 17, and it was big summer blockbuster, you know. And then I went and saw that, and I just kind of Tim Burton kind of changed the whole view of Batman, you know, from the 60s syndication that everybody knew, and then 
that was just something so different and serious at the time, you know. And um, of course, you look at Burton's then and now Nolan's now, and it's just night and day. But that really got the uh, you know got me going. So yeah, it's 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 been a long time. I've been a Batman fan. So two, two and a half years ago, I I was listening to a lot of talk radio, and I was very bored with it. And um, uh, so I decided to try out podcasts and um, and along you know Dustin's uh, and and a couple of others out there I started listening to and I would just find something that I was interested in and I was like I want to I want to listen to a podcast about this and I was a big fan of uh, the Sons of Anarchy um, and uh, the TV series on FX here and there and and, and um, so I found a, a Sons of Anarchy podcast and I. I I ended up helping out uh, this gal that uh, her name's Angela. She had a uh, called Fan Crow podcast, and her co-host had, was gone for like holiday, so I I filled in, and I was just like, oh, this is fun. I like this. And then I found Dustin's, and I started, and you know, by the time I started listening to the Batman Universe podcast, there was he had several several episodes. So like, while I was at work, you know, I work at a desk. I, I would listen to two or three episodes a day, you know, just while I'm working. And uh, so, I, you know, more and more I listened to it, I'm like, man, because I found myself, um, somebody would say something, I'd, like, I'd want to chime in and say, hey, wait a second, uh, you know. <laughs> so um, I remember emailing him and, at one point and saying, you know, I, I like your podcast a lot, it's great, and if you ever need any, you know, if you're wanting a fresh take on anything, you know, or, or not, just give me a holler. And, you know, at the time he was like, well, you know, we've actually got, you know, we're pretty filled with the, you know, the host and the co-host uh, of the podcast. But uh, would you be interested in writing some reviews? And so I, I started writing reviews for Batman Brave and the Bold season, I think it was season one. Uh, I started writing some reviews here and there and just submitting them randomly, you know, and he'd throw them on there. And then um, I, I remember, I think it was... Uh, just out of the blue, I think he, he sent me an email and asked me if I was interested in joining up, and so I called him, and and, um, and so at the time I was like, great, you know, this is awesome. I was like overjoyed, <laughs> so uh, I, was, I was thrilled to be a part of it, even though you know. And I told him straight up, you know, look, you guys are going to know more comic book wise. I'm going to know less, but I've been a fan. I'm just as much of a fan as any of the comic book readers, you know. Um, I'm a big movie fan, and then the genre is just like right there, and Batman to boot, that's my favorite. So um, I did pick up, you know, the, the, the essential, you know, guide to, you know, Batman, which obviously is like my, it's my Batman Bible. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, I use that a lot, and uh, then I started, you know, I, I, remember, I can't remember the first episode I did, but um, uh, it was fun, and I kind of felt out of place at first just because, but everybody made you feel at ease, you know, like it wasn't, you know, not that it's not, you know, we're not you know, rocket science here. It's just, you know, we're doing a podcast, so. And uh, I was taken from there, and, and. The normal stereotype for a comic book fan tends to be somebody who's a bit fat, spotty, and usually a male virgin. However, there are a large number of female comic book fans, and the TBU has a long history of having female co hosts, unlike other podcasts. I spoke to Melinda and Stella about their experiences. Um, I don't think anybody likes to be stereotyped whatsoever, especially if the stereotype doesn't really fit. Um, I think that in recent years, the the different forms of media that comics have taken on. So I mean, you've got television series adapted from comics, 
You've got movies that have been adapted from comics. I think that they certainly open it up to a wider audience, and it is no longer as difficult for people in general to access comics as it once was. So I think that that um, the fact that it they're easier to get access to, you are going to get more girls in there. Um, and that's not to say that there weren't girls reading them before. I'm trying really hard to make this answer sound, like, not sound sexist, but, you know, the stereotype did exist for a reason. I'm not saying that it was correct, but it did exist for a reason. Um, I, I would hate for anybody to judge my gender by the things that I've said on the podcast, because... I obviously don't feel like I'm a voice for women. I feel like I'm a voice for me. Um, so I would hate to try to be a spokesperson for them. But, um, because, I mean, I've experienced, I, like, I've had two really terrible, terrible sexist experiences when it comes to comics. Only two. And to me, that was about those individuals and their issues with women and not necessarily people's perception of female comic readers um, and I think there's there's also at this point a really unfortunate stereotype of the kind of special snowflake syndrome like oh you're a girl and you read comics you must be quite cool or I, I don't think that there's really a huge difference between male and female comic readers because I think that they're, they're readers. Ultimately, at their core, you, it's a story that's being told. Now, whether that's a story that's more appealing to male or females, it it really doesn't make a difference. The story is going to appeal to who the story appeals to. As for the art, well, yes, the majority of comic readers probably are male. So the fan service that exists in art, yes, that's going to be geared towards males because if that's your target audience, that's who you want to appeal to, that's how you're going to do it. Um, I don't view it as uh, me being in a male-dominated world. I view, I view it as me being in uh, reading comics. I've never really separated it as something that's male-dominated. Mostly because the comic store I go to has female staff members who work there. Um, I don't think I've ever been in the position where I've been the only girl in the store, so... I came into it at a time when, it, to me, it didn't feel like it was a male-dominated area of interest. The, the really terrible experience that I had was actually at the store where I work. Um, one of the other employees came up to me, because I was on cash at the time, came up and said, we have a guy in graphic novels who's looking for something. Can you help him? Because I don't know the section. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. No problem. So I went over and I had not even said anything beyond, is there anything I can help you find? And he just looked at me and said, oh, do you have someone who knows more about graphic novels than you? And I was just kind of like, yep, let me grab someone for you. Even though at my store, like, that's my section. That's my baby. I keep it organized, I keep it clean, I know that section inside and out. So I went and, and grabbed one of our male 
clerks because clearly that's what he wanted. So I brought him over and left them. And a few minutes later, the male CER comes up to me and he was like, he's asking for stuff that I don't know about. Like, can you please go help him? I guess he he said to the guy, let me find someone who knows more about me than who knows more about graphic novels than me. Like, this is the kind of our store expert on them. And so he brought me back over and the guy's face, like, I just, I will never forget that. Because that to me was, like, that was the stereotype personified. Um, I, I think that we are able to, to give a voice that is often forgotten uh, that it's there because it is it is male dominated for sure and I've had very strange experiences with this you know if you walk into a comic shop I mean chances are there aren't going to be any females there and if you walk into like a small convention uh, in like you know a small town then they may like look at you because you're a female in this sort of role and I remember going to one and and somebody tried to trick me by saying that Flash the Flash was a Marvel character and I could tell like that so I said um actually you know the Flash is the DC so I was like why are you trying to test me on this to make it seem like I don't belong here so I think that I mean, well, you know, anyone can read these books. I don't know why it has to only be males and it's like a secret society. But I think that being female, we're able to give a unique perspective on it. And it's not for every story, but I think that some stories certainly, um, I think some sometimes the males sort of skip over certain parts of it. And even, I don't know if being female, like, it, it makes you more sensitive to certain things, but... I absolutely love, you know, the Batman and Robin relationship and Batman and Robin. And while the boys started getting upset with sort of this angst that just kept going from, like, issues one through five, I really thought that it was realistic and I was really, you know, um, trying to defend it and everything. So I think that we, Melinda and I, I think that it's great being on this podcast and giving a voice to, to women and not only breaking into, you know, the comics but also breaking into podcasting in general, I think that that's, that's great. And you can see other people out there, you know, like Sarah Lima from Comic Vine. She's really big. And Jill Pantazzi, the nerdy bird. So I think that we are a unique voice, but I think it's getting bigger. And I'm hopeful that one day you can't tell that, you know, there's a huge male genre, like it's equal. So I think that'll be great to get more females into this and, and to have an equal population. Right now, Gail Simone is, well, now you've got um, Anna Senti, but, uh, you know, Gail was the only person, you know, when the New 52 started, and that's a really sad percent. You know, Amanda Connor wasn't there at that time, and she is doing something right now, but just very, you know, that's kind of sad to be the token female. But I think, yeah, that... Uh, you know the the people that are out there that think maybe we can't break into this uh, this club. They do sort of need to understand that anyone can read these books. You know, if men can read Fifty Shades of Grey, I guess females can read comic books too. Uh, no, I, I hope that it changes somehow and people's perspectives um, change. And, and you know, this doesn't happen to me all the time. Like. What's great about, you know, the people on here is that they're very accepting that, hey, there is a female. And and what's great is I feel I felt like sometimes 
I don't know if I want to say this because I'll get the other podcast in trouble. Um, so you can cut that part out. But I can't even tell that, you know, I am the only female on the cast. And I think that is the sign of a true podcast because, you know, I have Dustin, Donovan, and Joe in front of me. And then, oh, here's the female, but I don't even wink an eye. So it's we're all on equal footing right there so you know if we can get more males uh like my my three co-hosts that would be great but hopefully the population is turning that way already because i haven't really had a negative experience since then but you know who knows if it'll happen again sometime in december 2009 on the comic cast both zach and humphrey joined well i've probably been a fan since i was Four or five. I mean, I really got into Batman in the early '90s when I was a, when I was little, uh, watching the the animated series, and I watched that religiously. I had an aunt that recorded like every single episode on on tape, and I would just watch them over and over again. And then, you know, at that time, also comics were kind of everywhere. I mean, you could go to a convenience store and you could pick up comics right off a spinner rack in there. You can't really do that anymore, which is too bad. And they were just random issues, but I didn't I didn't care because it was it was Batman, it was cool. And then also the sixties show was still also rerunning a lot and that had uh, a huge influence on me as a kid and then as a kid and then of course the the eighty nine movie, which I just thought was, you know, the greatest thing in the world and I think I had like six VHS copies of that movie because I would watch it over and over again and it would it would break, so I'd start watching another one. But yeah, I definitely was was a big Batman fan as a kid. After I saw Batman Begins, I kind of started like picking up trades and graphic novels, Batman-related ones here and there occasionally. And then after I saw The Dark Knight, I kind of went into this Batman override or something, you know, watching all the old TV episodes and buying trades by like the dozens. I mean, I, I really went on a craze. And then I, at that time also, I started kind of just getting into comics in general, reading a lot of Marvel, uh, reading a lot of Image, indie comics. Um, DC, it's always kind of just been Batman and Superman. I, I really couldn't tell you about much uh, any of the other superheroes. And and also, I kind of discovered podcasts through that, and I really didn't have any idea how huge comics actually were. I mean, there are thousands of comic podcasts out there if you look for them. And then, you know, eventually I, I kind of wanted to listen to, you know, a show that was concentrated maybe on a character. And so that's kind of how I found, you know, the TBU lineup of podcasts. And um, something just kind of made me made me stick with them. I, I, they weren't, um, like, condescending anyway. Like, you, you listened to them and they didn't, you didn't feel like they were acting like they knew more than their listeners. They were just very cool and... Um, you know, very relatable with with somebody that's kind of like a general reader. Um, and then I kind of started contributing articles to the editorials just because I've I've always written, and uh, you know I thought, well, if I'm reading these comics, I might as well maybe write reviews or something. And then um, I got to know Apple really well uh, through uh, Xbox Live, uh, and I used to play occasionally with him and talk to him a lot and. Um, you know, I got to know him pretty well. And then there was, you know, a, one of those calls that they put out every once in a while for help. And uh, I thought that it was just, it could be a really fun opportunity. And uh, But I didn't think that 
I, I didn't have a real desire to be a co-host, so I instead asked to start helping with the editing. And I asked to start helping with the editing without having any idea how to edit. So I really kind of would get episodes, and I had to teach myself how to use Audacity and, and all that without really telling Dustin or anybody that I didn't know what I was really doing. Um, and so I was probably editing you know, episodes for the, for the website uh, two or three months before I actually ended up on the show. Um, and then again, they were looking for co-hosts, and I kind of told Dustin that, well, if you can't find anybody, you know, I'll gladly come on, and, and uh, they found people, but Dustin was still nice enough to ask me if I'd uh, like to come on, and so I did. Um, and I just, I really enjoyed doing the show, and everybody at the time was really cool, and the thing about TBU is they were always really much more responsive to, to my emails, or they were always very open to things that I would write and send to them, and they would post, uh, post up on the site. And I just, I really liked, you know, talking about comics with, with Dustin and Apple and Josh and, and Nick, you know, all those people that were there at that time. But I guess it was, I, I, I liked the podcast because it was like a, a little a little corner where I could go and talk about comics because I couldn't really talk about it with anybody else and that's really what I think propelled me to, to try to get involved with the with the, the website and the show. Whilst Humphrey, like Ryan, would only last a few episodes, Zach would remain on the podcast until April 2011. Um, the biggest reason for me was, was time. I just, I didn't really have uh, time for it anymore. I, I didn't want to be the guy who says that he's going to do this or he's going to do that and then he can't do it and then he doesn't do it um, and then you're kind of letting somebody down uh, you know as we've mentioned my career path also factored into it as well working on films and, and, and writing films and all that kind of stuff is, is very uh, a time consuming process and TBU just eventually didn't fit into the equation at some point anymore unfortunately it's, it's kind of funny though because um, you know with these animated commentaries and these blooper shows and everything coming out, um, my voice is still going to be heard for a while, apparently. So, unless I was edited out, which, um, that would not surprise me, but, um, it wasn't, it wasn't anything personal with anybody, I just didn't, I didn't want to keep hanging around and, and eventually become a, a hindrance to, uh, to the website. Um, I also, you know, I started my own podcast, which is, as I mentioned, Film Jive with Nick. Um, but, you know, I still occasionally write something up for the site, and um, I still I still communicate with people over at the forums occasionally. Um, but something I could do now that I, I wasn't able to do is I can just really enjoy the website and listening to the podcast uh, without having to hear myself babble nonsense which uh which is good is good good stuff now uh zach, zach batant i think that's how i say his last name he and i um uh, he, he he was a fun guy and i miss him on the show he would take the mickey out of me once in a while well more than once in a while and there was times where i was like does this guy have an issue with me what the heck is it but, but it was fun, but, like, there was times where I was like, okay, like, <laughs> what's going on here? He's, like, really strong in this. But there was, I never got legitimately angry at him. And when he left the show, I mean, I was legitimately um, sad about that because there was a good dynamic. And uh, the most fun that I had with him was that trouble in Tokyo commentary because that was just, <laughs> we absolutely lost ourselves. I think we were on for, like, six hours. Um <laughs> 
for this one hour commentary. And we did that um, MP3 file where we made fun of the other co-hosts. So, well, just you know, uh, you know, the six-month-old turns to the nine-month-old, and the nine-month-old become one, <laughs> and that's the focus points in a different direction. And just trying to um, trying to schedule that with the family and everything, plus the fact that you know, I just felt you know what I'm I, I, somebody else, you know that. that probably has less has more time than me and has more insight onto some of the subject matter should probably be sitting in the, you know on the podcast so I you know I bowed out and you know again like I mean like it, it, it's funny uh, if we if we would have done you know he's got the comics podcast right yeah uh, if we would have done like a pure like Batman Brave and the Bold or Batman the Animated Series one by one by one I would. I think I probably. And we could have done like thirty-minute episodes. I would have stayed on because uh, I'm like I would have contributed so much more in that sense. But, um, but you know, I mean, like I say, I, I, you know, time is becoming easier to manage. Not perfect, but it's easier because we have a standard time for naps and things like that. And I'm sure he knows this too now. So, um, but. Anyway, you know, no, there wasn't, I never left because I wanted to. It was just, I felt like, you know what, somebody else should be given this, you know, like, this just isn't the perfect time for me. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I was disappointed because my wife was like, are you sure you want to, and I'm like, yeah, I think it's right, you know, just because it's becoming, you know, if we can agree on a time and then, and then once we agree on the time, then if, if for whatever reason we ended up recording an hour and a half to two hours versus an hour or something or whatever, it ran long. Then you know, got people waiting for me. So I just, yeah, we'll take a break. And um, you know, I had a blast doing it. I, I'm, I'm glad I did, and I, and I want to continue to do it. I mean, as far as I'm always there. You know, if Dustin calls me tomorrow and says, "Hey, can you fill in here? Can you do this?" I'm there. So um, it's all good. However, with Apple leaving in August 2010, Don became a regular co-host. He'd co-hosted before as a guest. But it was at this point that he was made a regular member. Why did I leave the Batman universe? Uh, I technically didn't leave. I I couldn't make the the recording times that uh, what the what Dustin has said because of his work schedule versus mine. It 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 stopped it stopped working. And yeah, it's unfortunate because I know uh, fans send me emails like, "When are you coming back? Where are you?" And uh, though, you know, really, guys, when I hear and, and I read those emails or, you know, I hear like played recordings like, where, where are you, man? It's not the same. And I see those emails and I love you guys. Thank you so much for that. And, you know, may, you know, one day maybe our times will, will work out to where, you know, the you know the super friends of you know the batman universe well you know the the moon was well aligned and maybe we could do that again but the the recording times it, they're difficult to what i do as as my job and for the times that i have to record my other shows i brought don onto the show because don was a good friend of mine um you know and i've done other podcasts with him and he was a big fan of tbu and there was an episode where there was a book that Dustin, we were supposed to review, and none of us had it, and Dom was the only one that had it, so I pretty much told him, oh, well, my friend has it, why don't we bring him on? And then eventually Dom, Dom was a filling guy, and Dustin gave him the invitation, come on whenever you want. 
Well, honestly, I've been a fan of Batman all my life, really. There was never a time where I got into the character. Um, from my earliest memory, I was just very into like the, the whole idea of him. When I was a kid, um, I was an, ad, uh, uh, an adamant fan of uh, Batman the Animated Series. I don't actually remember when that series premiered, um, but I do remember I do remember the last batch of episodes in the series being new. That's when I'm at, I was about maybe three or four around that, around that time. So I was watching that, and at the same time, I would watch reruns of the Adam West 60s Batman show. So I had like two very different concepts of the character uh, burns into my brain. And honestly, as a kid, I never actually differentiated them. I thought one Batman was just as true as another one. So watching that, uh, watching those at a very young age really sort of like melded my mind with the character. Um, as I got older, just, just because I was a fan of the show, I would, I would you know, read any comics that would come up. So um, I, would, I, would, I, would, I would glance at the comics every now and then. And then once I got older and I was had a job, um, working before then, I started uh, collectively reading the issues. I got into reading comics around like the, uh, around collecting comics around the Bruce Wayne murderer storyline. That's actually when I started collecting them on a monthly basis, even though I've been following them uh, um, intermittently before then. But uh, ever since then, yeah, I've been, I've been hardcore into it. I have, the majority of my collection is Batman, and I have hundreds and hundreds of issues and even hundreds of trades just based on the character. I, I love him a lot. I first started listening to the podcast around the time that Dark Knight came out because that's just, that's just by happenstance when I started listening to comic podcasts in general. And um, uh, uh, Josh, um, who's a, a, a fairly seasoned uh, co-host on the uh, on the podcast, Josh Bertoni, not Josh Gobble, we've actually we've actually become really really good friends over the past couple of years, and um, he would. He would sort of tell me what was going on in the podcast, like, you know, oh, we're scheduling to do this, and we're scheduling to do this special. And um, that, that had been going on for, like, a few months then. And honestly, I had no intentions of joining it. I was I was just a fan. And I actually had, um, quote-unquote, met Dustin, not, real, not in live action or anything, but we had talked on a chat or something through Josh. And there was one instance where I was telling Justin, or not, no, I'm sorry, I was telling Josh last year, uh, I was just, you know, just, just making small talk. Oh, yeah, I went to the shop and I picked up um, Red Robin and um, Batman Odyssey or whatever. Just, just to say, you know, what was what I was reading. And then, like, a couple of days later, they said, um, oh, we need somebody to cover these books because they, they weren't able to get them. Can you quickly um, come in and uh, fill us in? And I said, oh, yeah, sure. Because I, I was a huge fan of the podcast. So I, um, I filled in on those issues. And then, seemingly, I was the only guy to really uh, be the all the time available for the for the podcast episodes. I was sort of made into a co-host inadvertently. It wasn't through any tryout process. It was sort of because I, I, was, I was reading the books and was able to do it. <laughs> so it was sort of an accident, but it, it was a happy accident because I'm loving the show right now. I'm loving being on this show. Despite this, there were still needs for new co-hosts. And in the new year of 2011, Joe, Josh and I joined. Well, I got into Batman very much by accident because I purchased uh, Burt Ward's autobiography, Boy Wonder, My Life in Tights, for quite a different reason. And um, and then I discovered that he was in Batman through that and thought that looked pretty interesting. So I looked into it and that's how I discovered Batman. And obviously Adam West is my favourite and I haven't looked back since. 
Um, yeah, well, reading the comics, I, I came in with um, the start of The Return of Bruce Wayne, so obviously I was completely lost. And uh, I started going back collecting Grant Morrison books and had no idea where I was and didn't understand R.I.P. at all. And I searched Batman in iTunes just hoping for something to help me along with it. And I discovered the podcast along with a few others, but it was the Batman universe that definitely struck, like, stuck out to me and was the one that I've listened to religiously since. And um, it really helped. I mean, the first episode, I think, of the comic podcast was looking at R.I.P. issues one and two. So from there, I went all the way through, listened to everything, and it really helped me catch up the continuity. And, um, and then when the call for co-hosts went out, I uh, was really interested because I've always wanted to give my opinions and living in England and stuff and not being the coolest of people. I don't really have many friends, especially not to talk to about Batman. So um, that's why I joined the forums, especially to uh, help give my opinion and see what other people thought and compare my opinions to other people's. So when the co-host position came up, I jumped at the chance and... I suppose mostly because if you listen to the podcast, my main role seems to be pointing out plot holes, which I do enjoy. So I think that I've kind of found my niche in that respect, and that's what I enjoy doing. However, by episode 66 on the normal podcast, Josh had left. Whilst on the comic cast, one of the longest-running co-hosts had decided it was time to hang up his comic books. A big part of it was the new 52, I would say. It's, um... I'm trying to figure out a way to vocalize this, but there was a lot of things coming out about the new 52 that basically said, this isn't for you anymore, this isn't for you anymore. And I couldn't look at the books objectively on the comic cast and review them. I had a very big negative bias towards them, and I didn't think it would be fair for a guy who basically... I mean, it would be like having a food podcast and and having a guy with a peanut allergy review peanut butter every episode. He's going to hate it every episode, and that's not fair to the peanut butter makers. Or maybe that was a weird analogy, but it, it stands. It's just... People who want to hear reviews of these books on their own merits, I have the handicap of basically, I look at things through continuity glasses, no matter what. And they could tell the best story in the world with the new 52, but I'm going to be like, this is totally overriding 20 years worth of stories that I've read. Um, it, it's, there was that, and it, it was time for a change. It, it's um, My internet situation is sometimes more difficult, so recording a podcast isn't always... Um, it's not always easy to get into the environment to do it. Even now, I'm hiding in the library from evil librarians, stormtroopers. So, and it, it was the time to make a transition, and it was a sad one for me. And I told myself when they announced it, well, let me see what happens when I go to San Diego. Maybe when I go to San Diego, because uh, San Diego was like a month before the New 52, a month and a half. Maybe I'll get excited about these books, and maybe that'll change my mind. But... um 
I knew in my gut that I was on my way out, and I actually um, gave Dustin um, a guy named John Wilson as a replacement. John didn't last so long on the comic cast either, though. I think he did like two months on it before he before he went. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, and everything that's happened since then. On with the new 52, it's just kind of reinforced that right now, this is not the universe for me. These are not the books for me. And I like the Batman universe a great deal, and I like the Batman character a great deal, and I'd like to, you know, do stuff with the site, and I guess start on the Teen Titans episode, because even though it wouldn't be fair for me to review those books, I really had to get my two cents in on that one, because that one was hideous. And at the time, I told Dustin when I was leaving that I would do blog posts and stuff like that. I haven't done one single blog post. <laughs> and and I feel bad about that. But that's, you know, the difference between Dustin and myself is that he's more disciplined and more work-oriented. Okay, on Monday, June 27th, 2011, we started talking about other Batman sites beforehand, and we were making fun of them, and then I said, so let me drop a bomb on you. I'm thinking of dropping the Batman books, DC in general, and then he says to me in big letters, what? And then I say, I think I'll make my decision after Comic-Con, because Comic-Con may get me excited for some of the upcoming stuff, and then he says, so... That means TVU is out then, too. And then I said brainstorming, but to be honest, TVU is a big part of why I'd stay. And he says, is Dawn for this approach as well? And I say, if I leave, then I'll pitch some kind of segment, like the way Nick has BBFB, which I never did. Whoops. He says, okay, all right. And Dawn? I think he was worried that Dawn was quitting, too. And then I said, as far as I know, he's trucking along. The DC news stuff in general is just getting to me. Honestly, I think you guys are overthinking this too much. But I'm not making any decisions just yet. I might be. If it wasn't announced and just happened, I don't know that so many people would be negative towards it. And then I said, it's the way it's being handled that makes sense. Everything I see about it, like the solicitations, just gets to me. Yeah, well, that has to do with poor marketing. And it makes me realize some of... Yeah, this is a good answer to your question about why I left. I'm spelling it off here. And it makes me realize more and more I'm not reading the continuing narrative I think I am. And continuing narratives are a big reason I get into comics. New origins every few years and new first meeting ever isn't a new narrative. It might as well be Looney Tunes at that point. Which, yes, is an exaggeration. And he says, you got to stop thinking about it. Just wait until it happens and then see where it goes. I was initially really pissed about this stuff, but honestly, after everything going on, it really doesn't seem like the Bat books are going to be affected as much as it seems. Ah, there's the money quote for you from Dustin. Last June, the Bat books aren't going to be affected. Things might change here and there, but it may actually be written into the story that way. Right, but this isn't the story I've been reading. It's a new one. I'll see where it goes, but the emotional attachment is wrong if they just keep on resetting it. Resetting what? Why do you say it is a new one? Because of what's going on in the non-Bat books? No one has said what is going on in the Bat books is a new story which negates things from the past. We already know there will be negations. With what's going on in the rest of DC, there has to be. If Superman has only been around for five years, then who did Batman punch after Jason Todd died? 
and I'm willing to bet my bottom dollar that we will get more first meeting with Batman stories. The Superman book is telling the story of Superman only being around for five years. That doesn't mean that it can't tell a story separate from the events. And then I said the Justice League solicitations talk about the world where superheroes are new, but the Bat books don't, and they have always been separate to a degree from the rest of what's going on. Yeah, but it's still a shared universe that will affect Batman. Wow, this conversation was longer than I remembered. And while Batman books will be business issues, well, I wouldn't be surprised if his history was tweaked again here and there. Boy, we had no idea. Okay, what happened during Zero Hour and little affected what actually happened? Yeah, and it keeps happening, and it's not a continuing narrative if they keep changing backstory. That's where a lot of my investments lie, as petty as it is. So what you're saying is that in the 80s when they did year one, you would have been upset. Yes, but the point is that they keep doing it. Not that they're doing it now, it's that they're doing it again. In the 80s we didn't have multiple first meaning stories of tweaked backstories the way we do now. This is more of enough is enough. So out of curiosity, I know that Marvel has done this a lot more. So are you dropping those books too? Or is it the first meeting thing that is the clincher? First meetings is just an easy talking point. Marvel continuity is bad, but they don't handle it the way DC does. And then it pretty much goes on to us talking about Marvel and me saying I've dropped most of Marvel anyway. So uh, there it is. <laughs> the story of how I left TVU. Despite the changes with co-hosts over the years, the mainstay of the podcast is, of course, Dustin. The site and the podcast itself are his creations, and it's he who drives it forward. And without him, it's very, very true to say that the entire website and podcast would fall apart. Dustin is... Um... I wish that I had the drive that Dustin had. I really do. Because in the hands of anyone else, the Batman universe would not be what it is now. And Dustin's motivation, Dustin's ability to follow through with plans, Dustin's plan, it's... If, I mean, I really believe that one day the BatmanUniverse.net, you know, can be up there with Newsarama and comic book resources. I truly believe that. And I've seen it grow. Um, I started looking at the site in like late 2008, I think I said it was, and it's just since then, even since then, it's grown so much, and it grows every year, and Dustin, you know, the stuff that he knows and the stuff that he finds out, I mean, I, I, I admire him for all that he's accomplished, I truly have, he's, uh, He's not, you know, uh, and as for how I got on with him personally, um, I've seen him a few times. I've seen him in San Diego every year. And when we go and hang out and stuff, he doesn't, you know, we invite him, but he doesn't always hang out with us. It's kind of like, you know, he's kind of like the cool college professor, you know. I mean, we enjoy his lectures and we get on with him, but when we go out clubbing, he doesn't want to go with us. <laughs> but, you know, but, but we still love him and admire him a great deal. He came to Florida, uh, which is the state that I live in, a few years ago for a wedding, and uh, he went to the theme park with me and my little brothers. There was a Halloween event going on, you know, and we had a good time, but he's on, um, people like Donovan and Stella and I, we're on like such a wacky end of the spectrum, and he's on a little bit of a more serious end. So there's times where we have to mean a little, and I think that Dustin being around us for as many years as he has like 
in a way, he's lightened up somewhat because he's kind of been forced to. And in a way, he's had to get us to be more disciplined because um, there's a lot of us who are not disciplined, you know, who don't take things as seriously as we should and don't take things as seriously as he does. <laughs> Which uh, has probably, like I said, frustrated him a great deal. You know, like, hey, this thing has to be edited by this time. Uh... Oh, yeah, and, and Dustin is one of those guys, too, that because he's very, very introverted, like, he's not very giving with, like, praise and jokes. So when he tells you you've done a good job, it's like, you know, Red Foreman telling, you know, Eric Foreman that he did a good job. You're like, wow, like, a compliment from Dustin, that you know, that, that'll make your week. But no, the way the way he runs the site, it's um, I think that the Batman Universe.net will outlast a lot of these other you know fly by night sites and podcasts, and it already has. I mean, and I'm on Spider Man Crawl Space right now, their podcast, and uh, their guy Brad, he's a fun guy and everything, and he's more jokey and stuff, but he doesn't have the discipline that Dustin has, and I'm. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. It's uh, Dustin. He gets press things arranged. He gets. He's on top of things. Like I, I wish I had the ability to create a site like Dustin did and keep it going. I remember uh, one of my interviews was for Young Justice, and it, it, there was an art director, but he, he his title was not the art director. And so when I introduced him as such, he said, "Oh no, no, I'm not." And then something happened. He was just really tired, and he he wanted like a five minute break. And so when we we took a pause, and, and Dustin said, "It's okay. It's not your fault," because he knew, you know, that I I was I was so upset that we sort of got that wrong but I don't know I just really appreciate you know he didn't really know me and the fact that he gave me the ability to talk to Lauren Montgomery and he just knew I think without a word that I really wanted to not only because I really respect her but because she had sort of a finger in the back row year one direct to video movie and just giving me the opportunity to do an interview and not really knowing how well I was going to do, and of course he's taken Backroll.Oracle um, on as you know a sister site, and he promotes that, and so that's just I just really appreciate and and love him, and you know um, in a non-relational sort of way. Just want to clarify that, but no, I do love him, kind of like a an older brother. Um, he to me he is very intimidating. He intimidates me quite a bit. I don't mind saying that because I don't think I'm alone in that opinion. Of course, I'll of course I'll listen to this and find out. No, I'm the only one who feels this way. But um, I have listened to his progression from the start to where he is now, and he has just a as a podcaster. He's gotten so good. You know, he's he's so fantastic about keeping conversation moving, and I I admire him so great so greatly um and we were joking at one point he was like so i'm the only one married with kids and we're just like yep you're pretty much the only normal one dustin good for you um so i think i think he's great i i really do respect what he does and he keeps this whole site going he keeps us moving along and like i said before he's got batman knowledge coming out of places I don't even want to talk about he's so there he's fantastic too um just very intimidating because he is very serious so 
I'd say some of my biggest highlights was the very first Comic-Con I went to um, in San Diego. I was absolutely blown away by, you know, this, you know, I to me, I was just one guy running on this little website, but, you know, I was able to get a press pass, which was a huge thing, because it, it to me, it was almost as if they, I was being, I was, I was being basically, um, recognized for the fact that I was doing something so it was a really big thing to get that first press pass and going there and then linking up with some of the contacts from Warner Brothers and DC and and doing interviews um, that first first uh, comic-con we went to one of the interviews we did was with uh, Diedrich Bader who was voicing Batman in Batman Brave and the Bold and I mean to me that that was like really really cool to, to actually have the opportunity to talk to the guy who's voicing the character on the cartoon that we were talking about, you know, every single month and on the website. So it was really cool to do that. Um, one of the uh, other real interesting or real, real highlights for me was um, being able to interview Scott Snyder. I've interviewed Scott Snyder multiple times at conventions, but um, just over a year ago when we interviewed him um, for the Batman Universe interviews, and we talked about all kinds of stuff. I, I must have been on on the the phone with him for you know well over two hours, and the only reason we ended up getting off the phone and 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 stopping the interview was because I ran out of questions and it was 1:30 in the morning and he had to switch and uh, switch with his wife as far as on, on baby duty. So it was cool to have you know a candid conversation with Scott Snyder and hear you know his enthusiasm his enthusiasm about the project that he was working on and again it just it, it kind of reinvigorated me to become more enthusiastic about what I was doing on the website and the podcast um, a lot of the other really cool memories I have as far as the website goes is actually meeting the staff members you think because you know we, we talk to each other and email each other and call each other on the phone and text each other and record podcasts and all of this stuff I've, I've met um, probably half of our staff in person um, at the, some conventions that we've gone to, and it, it's, it's like a rare opportunity because obviously I've never gone, gone overseas to England, so I haven't met my, um, my British um, staff members, but the, it's cool to meet the staff members that, we, that I interact with so frequently for the first time. So meeting meeting Josh for the first time and meeting um, Steve Rogers at uh, San Diego a couple years back and meeting Don and Stella, it was really cool to to see these people and and not only just talk with them but you know interact with them personally in in person because that doesn't I you know, don't I don't always have the opportunity especially as I said because I haven't been able to do that with the uh, staff members we have overseas so. When I do meet them, that is definitely a memory that I do remember and, and cherish. On the normal podcast, Melinda joined debuting on episode 68, and John and Stella joined a month later in September on the comic cast. Um, well, I originally got into comics through an ex. He gave me a copy of Sandman Volume 1 to read. I really enjoyed it, and because of that, I got into Neil Gaiman as a writer. Um, so I'd read all of Neil Gaiman and just his books, and then 
I was working at a bookstore and I was doing recovery in the store, which really just means tidying up. And um, we had an issue of Batman Detective Comics and just the regular Batman series sitting on a chair. And I noticed that Neil Gaiman had written them and I thought, okay, well, that's cool. I didn't know that. And then I realized they both said whatever happened to the Caped Crusader. So I kind of flipped through them and I was like, oh, oh, so they're killing Batman. Um, I'm pretty sure you can't do that. So I bought them and um, read them. And of course I wanted to know what had happened before this that led to Batman's funeral and what was going to happen now that Batman was dead because to my understanding, like I didn't know about Nightwing or anything like that. To my understanding, that was it. He had no one to take his place, so I kind of dove in head first and... Uh, still really haven't come up for air. Um, so that actually comes directly from me diving in head first. Um, one of the first things I did was I bought the Batman Encyclopedia and I read that whenever I was, like I had that with me whenever I was reading because there was so much that I just didn't know. Um, and I thought, well, there's like there's got to be a podcast or something. So I typed Batman podcast into iTunes, pulled up the Batman Universe podcast, and over the course of about three or four weeks at work on overnight shifts, I listened to, I think, the entire, the entire library that they had up to that point. And I thought, well, this is, this is kind of great. So I ended up joining the forums, uh, and then I ended up reviewing for the website, doing um, just issue reviews. And then um, one January, I made kind of a list of things that I wanted to do in the year, and one of them was if the Batman Universe calls for um, co-host auditions again, audition. Um, and they had not made an announcement, but I got a private message on Twitter quoting my little list of things that I wanted to do at me. So they, um, Dustin actually messaged me and said, you know, are you interested in doing this? And I said, yeah, I really am. So he said, well, make a tape just to make it official. And yeah, like, we'd love to have you on there. So I made a tape and I, oh my goodness, it was so embarrassing. It was, it's like a 90 second clip. And even though it was only 90 seconds, I agonized over it for like two weeks. Like, just, what do I say? What will make me sound smart? What will make me sound good? So I put that in, and um, Dustin let me know when my first recording was, and I really didn't look back from there. First introduced to Spider-Man um, through many different outlets, I think. Uh, you know, the animated series, and before that, just kind of came across the 70s show and everything. And when I went to a comic book store, I always, you know, you're younger, you don't really know too much about it. So I would just look through the, the back issues and find covers that were uh, cool looking. And, hey, this looks cool. I think it'll be a cool storyline. So that's how I started getting into comics. So I know Dustin will hate to hear that Spider-Man is what got me into comics. But, you know, I have to tell the truth here. Uh, I loved watching Batman the Animated Series, and I think that's probably my first 
connection to Batman. Um, and of course, yeah, Batgirl came a little later. But Batgirl Year One was the first uh, storyline that I read of Babs, and I absolutely fell in love with that storyline. I will, to this day, to the future, I will always recommend that to any first-time reader. And right now, you know, 10 out of 10, or how many times I've recommended it, people have loved it. And so from there, that spurned my love of Babs. And, of course, I'm doing Batgirl to Oracle, and I'm going back and, and reading these old issues and continuing reading her today. Batman, I had, you know, read here and there a little bits and knew of him from different storylines. I didn't start sort of putting, you know, comics on my pull list and getting them every month until Civil War and Infinite Crisis hit. I decided I'm going to actually become a comics reader. And Infinite Crisis is probably the worst and the best time to come on to... Uh, the comic scene. Um, I'd say it's the worst because there are so many characters in that miniseries that it's just sort of overwhelming. But for me, it was great because I really wanted to know what was going on at that time and get into these characters. And so I made the effort to, you know, I come upon a character like, who's the Psycho Pirate? And, you know, I would research, oh, okay, this is Psycho Pirate. So I learned a lot about that. You know, going back and figuring out, you know, Batman, what has happened to Batman up to that point. I didn't start actually purchasing Batman comics until after he had died in Batman R.I.P. And, you know, Dick took on the cow and I'm like, this is kind of interesting. So I actually picked up Batman, Batman and Robin, Batwoman, and then, of course, Batgirl at that time. So I was really getting into the, the Batman scene. And at that time, I kind of lost some love with Marvel, so I just sort of switched and was more DC. So I think that is my long history right now with, with Batman. And of course now I'm reading all of the Batman titles, which this is a first for me, and I love it and I hate it at the same time. You know, love it when it's something good, hate it when it's Red Hood or uh, Catwoman, but we are all surviving. So uh, Batgirl the Oracle sort of started as a joke, actually. Um, you know, I was on Spider-Man Crawl Space, the, the message board, and all these people were saying, hey, I'm going to start this new podcast. You know, uh, Zach, who's a.k.a. Spuddy dude over there, he decided I'm going to do Clone Saga because he loves Ben Riley. And so I thought to myself, you know, all these people are doing these podcasts. I should start one. Should it be about literature? Because that was sort of my shtick is that I, I read a lot of books, so my recommendations on that podcast were always... Um, some sort of book that I think you should read. So I decided, you know, that, that'd be kind of funny. And then I thought, wait a minute, you know, what if I did a Batgirl podcast? Because as far as I knew, and I think it's so true, you know, there was no Batgirl podcast. And then people were really, like, into this idea, which was shocking to me that, you know, they would listen to me talk about Batgirl. And it sort of went from there. I, you know, started thinking, how is this going to work? And pulling a website together and then I just went from there and I remember my first episode was really windy the audio was windy and it was 20 minutes long which I missed those 20 minute episodes and now you know they're normally over an hour if there's a special you know they're maybe two hours uh, which I think is the life of the, the TVU as well for TVU when I started Batgirl to Oracle or I was sort of in the I was, I think, yeah, it had already begun. Josh sent me, uh, you know, a Facebook message and said that Dustin was looking potentially for, you know, new co-hosts and that it would be great for me, you know, to get my feet wet and also potentially promote Backworld Oracle by coming on, you know, this, this uh, slide here. And at that time, I just really couldn't because 
I think, you know, it was already tough being on two, you know, creating your own is and editing. I know, you know, is that it, it takes a long time and, you know, put it, yeah, putting together your own podcast and then I'm on another one, you know, Spider-Man Crawl Space. I'm like, I, I really can't, but thank you so much for the offer. So that was sort of it. I ended up leaving Spider-Man Crawl Space, and I think that year I, I did. I went to San Diego Comic Con, so that was 2011, and I still I went under the Spider-Man Crawl Space um, press because I was still doing articles and things like that, and I was getting Spider-Man stuff. But it, it just so happened that since Donovan and Josh went under TBU, I sort of followed them around and was at different junkets and everything and I had met uh, Dustin's acquaintance but we didn't you know really know each other he interviewed me once I think when that Beckrow Year One uh, petition went out so I had knew him and we had spoken uh, he actually let me do some interviews I, I don't know what he was thinking but uh, no they turned out okay and and there's just something interesting about Dustin and his personality and, and I just respect the heck out of that guy and he I think I'm j I was just super freaked out I just didn't want to let him down I wanted to do the best I could and I think that he just really wordlessly makes us all do better than we can and so I really became attached to him and and TBU and and really wanted to to delve more into that world and so originally I just asked could I be on for you know, the new 52 special, which happened last August, I guess. And he said yes. And then I asked, well, could I also be on for the number ones, you know, because Back Row is going to be on there. And he said yes. And and then he just sent out an email and said, you know, I think you're just a member, a member of the cast already. So I've been going on for a year now. And I love it. I love it. Even if the books stink. Um, I just love being on there so much that it, it makes up for the books being crappy. So... Yeah, that that is my history with the Batman podcast. However, in November 2011, John left the comic cast and Nick left in April 2012, which led to Dave joining the normal cast in March. But, however, sadly, he left in May of that year. One of the things that tends to make co-hosts leave is just general life. It can be very difficult to reconcile what is a lot of hard work in making, editing and posting and writing articles for the website and what is effectively normal life. Uh, well, um, when I started this, I was still at university and finishing university. And I had time to, I, I used to edit, uh, you know, most, not most, half the shows, I think it was the regular shows I used to edit, and obviously BBFB as well, specials, I used to edit quite a lot, and I haven't grown tired of editing, it's, because I don't edit anymore unfortunately, I did the, some of the specials, I did the blooper show, that I still do BBFB obviously, I don't hand that off to someone else, that would be a bit mean, um, it's, but unfortunately, in the last two years, I've been working, I've left university, started work, and I've been working pretty consistently. And you just find during the week that the time is not there. Even, and even if you get home at 7, 8 o'clock at night, then you're just so tired that you get, aren't motivated for it. So it's, um, unfortunately, especially over the last six months or a year, I've had to relinquish the editing duties. Um, 
for the regular episodes because I just can't do that anymore. It would take too long. Uh, I don't have enough time to do it, unfortunately. Um, but recording-wise, you know, I've generally always, if I'm recording, tried to do it on a Sunday because I find Sunday evenings I've rarely got anything on. So I like having Sunday evenings to do the podcast. Um, and so now I'm doing, you know, I can do BBFB, which I do every two weeks, which can be a bit tough to get done. Um, I go on the regular show once a month, or try to, and, um, and then I edit specials as well when I can. So it is hard. There's definitely a lot to do, and um, it is tough to fit the time in, and it has got tougher over the last year. But I still want to be involved, so I'm willing to, to give up that time. It's more a case now of, not, not do I want to, it's just being able to. That's the problem. I have no idea. <laughs> I, um, well, right now it's summer, so it's a little easier. During the school year, um, I typically do it, like, I live, I, especially the last several months, I would literally do it right after I got off work because I would, have, um, I would go to classes and then work for a few hours until the night time. And then I would literally, like, because it was only a couple of, couple of uh, blocks from my, my, my dorm room. I would literally walk in, put myself down, and start recording for the time of cast. And it, it was fun because it was something to look forward to. You know, you can talk, get away from the, get away from the, the grind of school and talk about uh, talk about Batman for an hour or so. Yeah. So it was it was fine. Um, it always depends on people's different schedules. So it's I, t- I typically have a little more laid back depending on what days it is, and we we typically do it late and late, late in the day or late in the evening, but um. It's not gotten crazy so far yet. I do remember like last year after I shortly after I joined the comic cast, there was this big um there was there was there was a time where we were doing a lot of issues, especially during uh I think the Bruce Wayne Road Home thing. That was a time. We, we I think we spent like six hours on one episode and it drove us all nuts, but um it, it, it it's a blessing half the time just to schedule all these things because they, they, they can be a lot. So there you have it, a very quick run through the last five years of the Batman Universe podcasts. Over that time, Batman Universe has brought you the news, reviews and comments each month on a whole range of subjects, from films to comics, from video games to merchandise. From one single show, there are now seven different podcasts, six staff members from all over the world, and it's downloaded by thousands of people each month. And without you, the listener, we would not have lasted as long as we have, nor would we be able to carry on. So from all of us here, thank you for the last five years. I've been your host, John, and you've been listening to... I'm Dustin... And I'm Carl. Hey, this is Chris. And this is Apple. You got Josh. And this is Zach. I'm Humphrey. This is Savannah. This is Donovan. This is Josh. This is Nick. This is Melinda. This is Dave. This is Joe. This is John. Stella. Hey, guys. This is Ryan. There'll be sun, sun, sun All over our bodies And sun, sun, sun All down the next And there'll be sun, sun, sun All over our faces And sun, sun, sun So what the heck Cause I'll be laughing at all of your Silly little 
jokes and we'll be laughing about how we used to smoke all those stupid little cigarettes and drink stupid wine because it's what we needed. So it's usually at this point that you can expect some kind of hilarious outtake. However, to celebrate the five-year anniversary, we have something a little bit different for you. So sit back and enjoy, or more likely cringe, as some of our hosts impersonate other members. This could get a little painful. Well, the only I can't really do impersonations. I've the vocal talents of a mute, but uh. I suppose the only impersonation I could do is that of you, John, and that's only from when you first started on the podcast where your mic was not very good and you'd be talking and then you'd suddenly... And then, yeah. Yeah, it... Yeah. Obviously not the voice, but that tended to be what happened, which was horrifically frustrating. Luckily I was not on your podcast. I can do Justin, this is just easy, and uh, it's, it's probably the easiest to... I could do Josh, but I'd rather do Justin, because it might be, it might be more uh, funny. Okay, go for it. Okay, okay, I'm trying to, I'm trying to blast. Oh. Mm. Hello, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. I'm your host, Justin, and today we have with us... This is Josh, and this is us! And today we're going to be the latest uh, news and comic introduced into the Batman Universe. We have a lot of news and not a lot of comments, so we have a lot of time ahead of us. So, without further ado, let's get started. There's my destiny. Well, I, I saw this when you sent me the questions. I, I saw this one and I go, wow, this is hard. Who could I impersonate? You know, nobody shot top, tops Josh's Apple impersonation. Um, but I, I think I'm going to do Josh. And the reason why I'm going to do Josh, and I'm talking about Josh... Joel Lappin Bertoni, not the other Josh, um, is because I used to impersonate Josh a lot during shows, and I, I always did this weird thing with the accent. I don't sound anything like Josh, but I always felt I sounded like Josh. And uh, and everybody would go, what, what are you doing? That doesn't sound like him. Um, but I just, I don't feel like, uh, you know, honestly, I don't feel like there's enough people that, you know, I can impersonate. You know, I, I tried Dustin once, yeah, I don't think it worked really well. Um, you know, you, you UK guys, it's just too easy. I just got to do an English accent. Um, so, so I'm gonna do I'm gonna do Josh. I gotta find this though. I got I kind of got a cold. So, hi, I'm Joshua Latin Bertoni, and prepare yourself for a tangent of the century. Okay, here it goes. Adam Beechin uses comics as toilet paper. Michael Bailey is the coolest. Oh, the comic book co- posse is calling me. Looks like Donovan and myself have to go. Have a happy. Okay, um, let's see. Well, if I was going to do Apple, I just like the, the, the giddiness of his inter 10 year olds, right? Guys! Guys, check this out, guys! <laughs> he gets so excited when he's discussing stuff. You know, oh man, guys, did you see this? And then Dustin, when you're talking and doing the podcast, wait, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> I think I'm going to do Dustin and Josh, um, probably because I've worked with them the most and know them fairly well, listen to them a lot. The thing with Dustin though, I haven't got a long one for this, but I always like it when he um, agrees with something. When he agrees with something, he just does this. Agreed. 
That's just it for him. Oh, greed. I always, I don't know why, I just always found that amusing. And, um, Josh, you know, I've got to put on my American accent today. I'm not sure anyone wants to hear that, really. We do, we do. Okay. Oh my god, they're renumbering Batwoman. Oh god! That's about the best I can do, I think. That's just awful. Uh, let me see. I'll, I'll try to, I'll, let, me, let me try to do Chris. I'll do Chris first. Chris. Oh man, PS3 just sucks. That's just a whole load of crap. <laughs> that, that that's Chris. Uh, I can't do British that good, so I I, I don't know how to do uh, British without sounding too posh. So I I, I can't do that. Um, I wish I could do Nick as Megatron. That that was really cool. Uh, he would just his Skype was just awful, so we just called it Megatron. Uh, <laughs> uh, good thing he moved now. But uh, I could do that. I, I you know, I, I can't do Savannah. She's a girl, so I can't make my voice go that low. Uh, can't do that. Um, uh, who else could I do? Uh, Josh. Uh, yeah, well, you see right here, uh, Alfred was not in the original series. A lot of fans might not know that. But uh, Alfred, yes. No, he was later interpreted into the comic books. A lot of readers don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> That's 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 Josh right there. So, so that's those are those are, yeah, I can do Dustin. Oh this is Dustin and welcome to the, the Batman universe. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, love you guys man. Okay, well um let's see. Um I did do an impersonation of Dustin when I read those things, but um it was mostly reading from things in his voice. Well, um, let me let me try and do this in the library without being too loud. Well, of, of course, you know, there's the the Joker, and um, of course, uh, Joker and man, I love Batmobiles and uh, uh, DC Universe Unlimited Online. My Apple voice is usually better when I can be louder, and I'm not in the library. Of course, uh, Joker. Um, listen to Joker's Funhouse podcast. Hey, Apple, this is BatmanUniverse.net. We're um. I'm not talking about Joker right now. Come on, guys, let's hurry this up. I need to make this an early one. I, I have work in the morning, so I don't want to do another five-hour recording. And 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 that and that's the extent of it right now. Um. Yeah. And what was great about Dustin is that I um for a little bit I was able to do random voices for my the news. But some people didn't like them, so I had to stop. So this is, you know, a good output right here. Yeah, I could do one of my obnoxious people, but, you know, the first person I thought of was, well, I'm going to do an impersonation of Dustin. And, of course, it doesn't sound like him because his voice is so low. But it's just funny. I don't know. The things he says sometimes are just great. You know, he talks about the history, which is probably what I'll talk about here. He says, you know, we need to get this done, you know, because we're taking too long. And then, you know, stop talking about shippers, things like that. And uh, the thing about Dustin is, if Dustin is Batman, you know, with his dark, brooding nature, which is, you know, that's Dustin, then I think I am the Stephanie Brown to his Batman, just sort of this bubbly person that is, like, at the opposite end of the spectrum. But I am going to impersonate Dustin with all love in my heart. And uh, I guess I'll talk, hey, this is Dustin. I'm going to talk about the history. I have a close connection to history. And this is the five-year special, so it's fitting that I talk about 
history. Thank you. That's basically all I have for you. The thing, like, we do voices every night at work. Um, there's vaguely insulting Eastern European. Uh, there's British. There's Consuela. Um, so I guess I would have to say, Happy five-year anniversary, TBU. Mr. Superman, no here. Well, there's no Superman here. Just Batman, people. Just Batman. Well, I don't do very good impersonations unless they're either Muppets or Sesame Street characters, but uh, I, if I had to, it, it, it's not necessarily impersonation, but I guess if I was to do a, um, just basically specific thoughts that people always have, um, I'll just do a combination of a bunch of different people. So if I was Josh, I would, I would get very upset about the continuity of things. And I would rant a lot. If I was Don, I would basically say um, I, in some, in most cases, would agree with Stella all the time. Um, if I was Stella, I would get very upset that um, that Dustin is talking about the history 24/7, as well as the fact that he is trying to take over back over Oracle. And then if I was Joe, I would um, really, really like um, everything that Catwoman that happens in the Catwoman series currently, as far as her getting beaten up. Um, if I was John, I would basically disagree with everything anybody else says. If I was Melinda, I would just have to disagree with John. And that's pretty much everybody. If I was Dustin, of course, I would just have to say I love the history. Bad fans, the last five years have been great, and uh, here's to another five more prosperous years for the Batman universe and for Bat fans all across the world. Thanks for listening.